Hello and welcome to episode 38 of ERRX. This week we review a recently published study entitled The Minnesota Mobile Extracorporeal Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation Consortium for Treatment of Out-of-Hospital Refractory Ventricular Fibrillation. This study describes a potentially game-changing intervention for patients with out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, extracorporeal CPR or eCPR, using ECMO. Out-of-hospital cardiac arrest affects over 350,000 patients every year in the United States, with a survival rate of less than 10%. And although patients presenting with shockable rhythms have better outcomes, still about half of these patients are refractory to standard ACLS measures. We talked about this back in episode 21 when we discussed Esmolol for refractory VFib, and also in episode 33 when we talked about dual defibrillation. Refractory VFib or pulseless VTAC is most commonly associated with severe coronary artery disease with occlusion, with horrible survival rates if this occlusion is not immediately reversed. If only we could keep patients alive until we were able to reverse these occlusions. Enter eCPR with ECMO. ECMO is a technique that provides cardiac and respiratory support by drawing blood out of the body, artificially oxygenating it, then returning the blood to the patient. It comes in two flavors, venovenous or venoarterial. In venovenous ECMO, only the lungs are bypassed, with access usually placed in large veins for drainage and infusion. In venoarterial ECMO, both the lungs and the heart are bypassed and access is placed in a large vein for drainage, with an arterial access point for infusion. ECMO-facilitated resuscitation acts as a bridge, allowing angiography with PCI, optimizing hemodynamics, and supporting multi-organ injury and recovery of the heart after cardiac arrest. ECMO followed by immediate coronary angiography and intervention has been used in small trials to treat refractory VFib and pulseless VTAC. This particular study builds on past case series and the author's previously reported single-center arrest trial, which was the first randomized trial of ECMO in cardiac arrest in the United States. The arrest trial showed a 43% survival rate with ECMO compared to only 7% with standard ACLS measures. The effects were so great that the study was stopped early due to the high survival rates in the ECMO group. Given the success of the arrest trial, The authors of this study wanted to determine if the ECMO approach could be provided outside of a single center. This observational study described the implementation and reported outcomes from the first out-of-hospital cardiac arrest ECMO-facilitated program in the United States. This ECMO program consisted of mobile ECMO cannulation teams, three ECMO initiation hospitals, which actually included my site, 24-7 cath lab availability, and a single ECMO ICU post-cannulation. The cannulating physicians were specialists from interventional cardiology, emergency medicine, and critical care. This study included a period between December 2019 and April 2020. Patients were transported by EMS to the nearest ECMO initiation hospital's ER if they were adults aged 18 to 75, had VFib or pulseless VTAC out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, were receiving CPR with a Lucas, had no ROSC after three shock attempts, and had an estimated transfer time of less than 30 minutes. Patients were excluded if they were DNR, had massive bleeding, or had a known terminal illness. 
Once the patient was deemed eligible, paramedics would call a central dispatcher who notified the mobile ECMO team and ECMO site. This is when the fun started. ER techs would frantically work to set up a trauma room so that it would be conducive to ECMO cannulation, nurses would set up fluid bags and get eye stats ready, and the pharmacist would pull all the meds, including standard ACLS meds like epi and bicarb, but also heparin for post-cannulation use. Once the patient arrived to the ER, a blood gas and lactic acid were measured to determine if resuscitation would be continued. Patients who had two or more of an end-tidal CO2 of less than or equal to 10 millimeters mercury, a PaO2 of less than or equal to 50 millimeters mercury, or O2 sats less than or equal to 85%, or a lactic acid greater than or equal to 18 millimoles per liter were deemed unlikely to benefit and were declared dead. Patients without these criteria underwent emergent ECMO cannulation while the ER team continued resuscitation. Next, the patients were transported to the CT scanner to assess for CPR-related trauma. After that, they went to the cath lab for intervention as needed. Finally, they were transported to the centralized ECMO ICU for ongoing cares including therapeutic hypothermia. In the end, 58 patients met criteria, which was about 14 patients per month. Of those, 13 met the resuscitation discontinuation criteria and were pronounced dead, leaving 45 patients that received ECMO cannulation and cath lab intervention. Of those, 4 patients were declared dead prior to transfer to the ECMO ICU, leaving 41 out of 58 patients, or 71%, that were eventually transported to the ECMO ICU. The mean age of the patients was 57 years, more than 80% were white, and known comorbidities of coronary artery disease was seen in 30% of patients. Mean response time of the ECMO team was 15 minutes. Mean time from patient arrival to ECMO initiation was also 15 minutes, and all cannulations were successful. In the cath lab, 29 of those 45 patients, or 64%, had severe coronary artery disease, and of those, 22 patients, or 85%, received PCI. The results were astounding. Functionally favorable survival, defined as cerebral performance category scores of 1 or 2, occurred in 25 of those 58 patients, or 43% of patients. The survivor's mean hospital length of stay was 19 days, 80% were discharged to acute rehab facilities, and all of them were still alive at 3 months. In conclusion, the author stated that ECMO-facilitated resuscitation programs have the potential to transform outcomes for this patient population. The authors recognize that the success of the program is dependent on a high level of involvement from multiple healthcare systems, EMS services, and staff. They also admit that this intervention is very resource-intensive and requires extensive education and training of everyone involved. Nevertheless, with such high survival rates shown in this study, the previous arrest trial, and other small case series and case reports, this may be a model for the future. As always, thank you so much for your time. If you want more information about our ECMO experience or the specific roles of the ER pharmacist during an ECMO activation, please reach out to me on ERRXpodcast.com or the ERRX Podcast Instagram page. Yeah.